Thank you for accessing this audio resource from Glad Tidings Church. This is Pastor Tim Rice. I hope you enjoy the message and receive some benefit from it. If you do, please let us know. Send your comments to info at gladtidings.church. Now, here's this week's message. So today we're going to celebrate communion in just a couple of moments. However, I do want to read um, the 10 remaining verses of Exodus chapter 19 before we do that. And I want to make a few comments um, as, as I do that. Now, you remember in Exodus chapter 19, the children of Israel have arrived at Sinai because remember they're there because God has brought them there. And his intention is he brought them there to make a covenant with them. And Moses, remember we talked about this last week, Moses is the mediator of that covenant. And God had said through Moses to the people, he said, I brought you here. I want you to be my treasured possession. So if you will uh, perform this covenant, if you'll keep my commandments, if you'll do, the, do what I ask you to do, then you will be my treasured possession. And remember the people responded to Moses to respond to God, said, we will do everything that you say. And then you remember that we ended um, last week with God telling Moses to tell the people to be ready for the third day, which was an allusion to the resurrection, right? Be ready for the third day. And so the people washed themselves in preparation for the third day, which is when God would appear to them and, and they would make this covenant uh, together. So Exodus chapter 19, beginning in verse number 16. So on the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast, so that all of the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. And the smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And uh, as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. And the Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people lest they break through to the Lord to look and many of them perish. Also let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves lest the Lord break out against them. And Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai for you yourself warned us saying set limits around the mountain and consecrate it. And the Lord said to him, go down and come up bringing Aaron with you, but do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. And so Moses went down to the people and he told them. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your words. God, I pray that you'd speak to us from your word this morning. God, do something in our hearts and in our lives that it will have lasting, eternal consequences, God, we pray. Open every ear, God. Give us the ability to hear what your Spirit is saying to us this morning. That, God, we don't want to be hearers of the Word only. We want to be doers of the Word. So enable us, God, to do that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, these verses that we just read this morning, they describe, such as it was, uh, the first meeting between God and the people of Israel. Now, he had appeared to them 
before, in, in, in fact, he had gone before them as a column of cloud or a pillar of fire in front of them. But this instance is, is unique because it is intended as a formal meeting at which the covenant that we've previously mentioned, that we've talked about, that the covenant is going to be officially enacted. So this is a formal meeting between God and the people at which they're going to enact the covenant that God said, I brought you here to make a covenant uh, with you. And, and marriage, which is actually, the Bible says it is a metaphor for the covenant that exists between Christ and the church. Marriage is our best analogy for the solemnity of a covenant ceremony, which this is this is what this is. And that's why this meeting, if you noticed, it, it kind of resembles a wedding, doesn't it? In several ways. In fact, the people are expected to remain chaste as they wait for the Lord uh, to come to them. They wash themselves and they prepare for this big day. And then Moses, like a, like a father would for a bride, Moses, the Bible says, brings them out of the camp to present them to God and to meet God there. And the people stand at the, foot of the alt, uh, at the foot of the mountain as a bride might stand before the altar. And, and you see, it's, it's all there, and it's an idyllic kind of setting. However, there's a, there's a problem here, and that is that the two can never actually meet, at least at least face to face, they'll never be able to uh, meet one another face to face, which is what you would expect when a covenant is being enacted. In fact, when God does appear on the third day, his arrival is announced with a very loud trumpet blast, and the mountain is enveloped, the Bible says, in thunder and in lightning, in smoke, and in fire, and in fury. And it, and it is a terrible and an awesome display of God's transcendent holiness, his, his preeminent glory, and his incomparable power um, is all, demonstra is all uh, on demonstration here. And the effect that it has on the people is uh, predictable fear. They're afraid. The Bible says the people trembled. In fact, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 21 says that the sight was so, and we'll read that passage in just a little while, but that the, that the sight of it was so terrifying that Moses himself said, I tremble with fear. And, and at least he had already been in God's presence. But the display of God's power and his glory caused Moses to tremble with fear because it was so awesome. Now, it's important to point out uh, this morning here that this was not the effect that God was after, even if it was the effect that could not be avoided. Let me explain uh, what I mean. In other words, God didn't bring them to Sinai in order to just impress them. God, God didn't bring them to the mountain in order to scare them. I mean, does he had brought them there to do what? To save them. 
and to make a covenant with them. You see, God desired that Israel would be his treasured possession. So, so his intent here is not to scare them away or to scare them off. He desired that he would have fellowship with them. His, his desire was to restore fellowship with his people. Therefore, God is not creating a demonstration to just scare the people and, and with the effect that it would keep them out of, of his presence. Remember, God wants them to do what? He wants them to be in his presence. He wants to be their God and for them to be his people. However, here's, here's the difficulty. His presence is so radiant that it cannot accommodate sinful man. His presence is so powerful and so radiant that it, it cannot accommodate sinful individuals. And, and I believe that that, that distinction is very important here as in other places throughout the book of Exodus. And I would add, I think that it is fundamental to understanding the revelation of God in the Old Testament because here's why. Some people believe that there is a difference between the God that we read about in the Old Testament and the God that we read about in the New Testament. They say, well, the God of the Old Testament is an angry God, a vengeful God. A, a wrathful God. And the God of the New Testament is a loving God, a gracious God, a forgiving God. Can, can I tell you that that's not the case? He's the same God. He, he changes not. Amen? So he is always the same. In fact, here's the thing. The Bible consistently demonstrates that God is merciful and kind and compassionate and forgiving and gracious and good. Can you say amen? The Bible says he is not willing that any should perish. And in fact, he continually strives with mankind to do what? To redeem them from their sin and to restore them to his favor. But what the Bible also reveals is that humans are sinful and stubborn. <laughs> the humans are sinful and stubborn. Uh, humans often resist God's grace and they persist in their own wickedness and disobedience, which means that they, they could not, that humans could not for one moment abide in God's presence because if we were in his presence in that sinful state, we would be destroyed, consumed because of his radiant glory. So we are left with this dilemma. And the dilemma is this. We have a God who desires for us to be in his presence, but whose presence would destroy us if we would come in our natural and our sinful state. And that's what's going on in Exodus chapter 19. This is, I think it's important to realize this is not God keeping Israel away from him. This, this is God bringing Israel 
near to him. At, at least as near as is possible in this situation. So God is, God is not creating things to keep Israel back and away from him. God is saying, I want you to come to me. I want you to be with me. And there's limits to that because of their sinful condition. But this is God drawing Israel his people to him to himself. You see, it was not possible for Israel to come directly into God's presence. Um, Moses, the Bible said, had already set boundaries. God had told him to. So Moses had already set boundaries around the mountain. And here God tells Moses to remind the people not to break through those barriers, not to pass beyond those barriers, lest he break out against the people. Now, I'll come back to that next week a little bit about barriers as we prepare to cover the Ten Commandments. But here's what I want you to see this morning. Those barriers that were established that Moses put there, the barriers that God ordained, uh, those barriers were for the benefit of the people. Amen? The barriers were there to protect the people. Again, this is not God restricting Israel from good. It was God protecting Israel from harm. But here's the question for this morning anyway. What harm specifically is God protecting the people of Israel from? The harm that he is protecting Israel from was his own wrath. His own wrath. You see, God loved Israel. He wanted to make a covenant with them. God wanted them to enjoy his favor and to live in his presence. However, as I've said, their sin made it impossible for them to come directly into his presence because their sin was entirely incompatible with the perfect holiness of God. Sin cannot exist in the presence of God. And all the, although the descendants had, of Israel had washed themselves, how many knows they weren't really clean? They weren't really, um, the outside might have been clean, but inside they were still filled with sin and disobedience. In fact, what would have happened if one of those descendants had crossed the barrier that God had told to, to establish around the mountain? And what if they had presumed it to enter into the presence of God uh, on their own? Well, I think that you intuitively, you know <laughs> what would have happened. Like a lightning bolt that jumps, from, that jumps from one place with a positive charge to a place that has a negative charge when they're brought close together, just like a lightning bolt, the righteous wrath of God would have, would have broken out against the sinful state of that man or that woman that presumed to come into God's presence, and they would have been consumed um, because of the sin, not because God hated them. No, God loved them and wanted to have relationship with him. That's why he made it possible for them to come as close as possible into his presence. But he protected them from his wrath because if they came in in their sinful state, then his righteous wrath would have broken out against them and, and consumed him. You see, God is not willing that any should perish. Therefore, he restricted access for their sake because he is merciful 
and because he is kind. And more to the point that I want to make this morning, he is now, what we celebrate now with this, the new covenant, that he has now removed those barriers and he has given us access into his presence. How, do you know how he made that possible? I presume that you probably do through Jesus Christ, of course. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, the Bible says that Jesus Christ bore all of our sin on the cross and while he was on the cross, suspended between heaven and earth, um, he received the wrath of God in our place. So that, so that now we may come boldly into the presence of God without any, without any fear. Because Jesus bore the wrath of God. <laughs> that would have been poured out on anyone who had presumed to come into God's presence with sin still in their heart. But because Jesus Christ bore the penalty for our sin, now we have that right of access into the presence of God. Aren't you thankful for that? Um, that, is, that now that has forever changed how we can approach God. In fact, this is how Hebrews describes uh, the difference. So I'm going to ask uh, the ushers the, the, uh, to prepare. We're going to, with the elements of communion. But this is, listen, this is how the book of Hebrews describes the difference. He says, for you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But listen to verse 22. This is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, in verse 24, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Aren't you thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ? That he is the mediator of that new covenant and that because he paid the penalty for our sins now, we have access to God the Father. Come ahead. Uh, so in just one second, they're going to come out. They're going to serve you this morning with a piece of bread and with a cup. And I want you to hold on to these elements of communion for just um, one moment, if you would. Thank you, Tony. You go. go ahead and start serving the folks, if you don't mind.
Hold on to that piece of bread. Hold on to that cup for just um, one moment. Because you see, as we celebrate communion this morning, communion is a reenactment of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Now listen, it's, it's not an actual reenactment of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We do not believe, as some um, denominations believe, that the bread actually becomes the body of Jesus Christ or that the cup actually becomes the blood of Jesus Christ. But, but we believe that this is a symbolic reenactment of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made, that his body was broken, that he bore the wrath of God so that now we can come boldly into the presence of God Almighty, that his blood was shed so that those sins that offended God, now those sins not only uh, are not just covered over, but that those sins are washed away in the blood of Jesus Christ. We're not washed, as I said this last week, we're not washed with uh, merely water. We're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ that removes that stain of sin uh, from our body. So with the bread and with the cup, we are picturing the truth that, that God poured out his wrath on Jesus Christ, his only son, and Jesus died willingly so that God now can pour out his favor on us so that we can be brought near uh, to God. In fact, Hebrews says, Now, because we have a high priest, Jesus Christ, who has paid that price for us, now we can come, what? boldly before God. We can come with confidence in our heart. The Bible says we can come boldly before the throne so that we can obtain mercy and so that we can find grace to help us in our time of need. Aren't you thankful uh, for that? So there may be somebody that is here this morning that what you need this morning is you need mercy. You have never called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. Listen, can I tell you this morning that because of what Jesus Christ has done for each one of us, because he bore our sins on the cross, now you can come to God and you can ask God for mercy and know that he is a faithful God and that he will forgive you of your sins and that he will restore you into a right relationship with himself and that you can become the son, a son, a daughter of Almighty God. Friends, that's good news. Can you say amen? Mike, if you don't mind, if it's possible for you to come to the piano, I know that you're holding a piece of bread and a cup and you got a baby right there beside you. But if you don't mind, can you come and would you begin to play? And they're just about finished serving everybody. You're still waiting to be served. Hold tight for just one second. But everybody else, if you don't mind, would you bow your head? Would you close your eyes? Father, we thank you that you loved us in such a way that you have done everything possible to draw us near to bring us unto yourself, God. 
Father, we know that it was our sin, it's our wickedness that separated us and kept us, Lord, from your presence. But we're thankful that you have sent Jesus Christ to shed his blood for us so that now we can come to you and obtain mercy. I pray, Father, for anybody that's here this morning that needs mercy, whose sins have not been forgiven, whose sins have not been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Speak to them, God. Draw them, God, by your grace and your power so that today, Lord, they might confess their sins and so that they might believe, put their faith in Jesus Christ and be saved. Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or would like more information about following Jesus Christ, please contact us at gladtidings.church. If you live near Dunn, North Carolina, please consider visiting our church on Sunday mornings at 1030. You can also download our church app in the iTunes or Google Play app store and receive updates and notifications. You may use the app to make a financial gift to help support our ministry. God bless you.